Luke 19, 11 through 27 is the passage that we'll be going over this morning. It is my incredible privilege to be able to read this, to read the Word of God, and uh, please follow along as I read it. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minus, and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to, to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in, very, in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made t- five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow? Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, Bring them here and slaughter them before me. Ouch. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. We're excited to learn about this this morning. We're excited and, and, and with anticipation of, of what you are going to say through us um, through this. Um, please free us from distractions. Free us from things that are in our minds right now, getting in way of you speaking to us. Um, God, your, your word here is truth. Help it to penetrate our hearts. Help it to engage our minds. Um, and help us to apply it. Please be with Steve this morning as he teaches and explains this to us. Um, no passage of yours doesn't go without a lot of humility with fear or trembling, just wanting to convey the, the meaning of this. Help us, help us to receive that. And, um, God, let your spirit go into our hearts. May he work freely. Please give Pastor Steve the freedom to give us application to this and let it penetrate, um, our daily lives and not just stay within our thoughts and our minds. God, be with us this morning. Be with Steve, be with us as we listen to your word. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you, Rob. 
we need to clear up one thing before we get going, or else, I mean, Colin is just going to get blasted after the service. Um, so he, Colin, in, in announcements, he committed an almost unforgivable error by calling the blizzard of 78 the blizzard of 86. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh man, he's going to get it for that. So he's just wrong. He's been publicly condemned. You can talk about other things after the service now. I'm just freeing you all up to not have to correct him on that. He's young. He's foolish. It'll never happen again. It was the blizzard of 78. We all know, because we've all posted all of our pictures on Facebook of the blizzard of 78. So I'm proud of you for living through that. You're wonderful. Um, Colin thinks you're wonderful. He's inspired by you and the fact that you endured it. Yes, yeah. Oh, all the seventy, all the seventy-eight veterans. Yeah, you survived that. You survived seventy-eight. If you're not here on, if you're not here on Wednesday, then I don't even don't even show me pictures. I don't even care. Are you? Do you feel chastised and you're you're ready now? You feel wiser. Okay. So now you can talk to him about other things. We fixed it. It's fixed. It's fine. I was young and foolish once myself. It's fine. Uh, okay, now for the sermon. I, uh, I, I, I have this, um, I think it's my only one. I have a, I have a recurring dream. Um, I, and I think it's the only dream that I, that I have. I don't, I don't remember my dreams very well. I wake up in the morning, I usually don't remember what I dreamed about. This is the only dream that I know of that's like a repeat. Um, and I have it, I don't know, a couple times a year probably. And in the dream, I am uh, I'm I'm standing up in front of a church on a Sunday morning. It's not this church. It's just I'm I'm just like a guest speaker somewhere or something. Um, I don't really know the church, um, and uh, I mean I don't recognize it in my dream. I don't know. And and I'm supposed to preach, and I have I have nothing to say. I I have no notes. I the, I'm looking through the Bible for something that looks familiar. You know, I'm just like, what am I going to do? I hate this dream. I have it. I don't, I hate, I'm just like, why is this my recurring dream? This is terrible. I hate this dream. I hate it. And I wake up about the time I'm about to just stammer out something. And then I wake up, cold sweat, uh, stupid dream. I hate it. Um, and, uh, and I know you guys could, you, you know, right now you're like psychoanalyzing me. You're like, oh, I'm... I know why he does that. And don't come tell me. I don't care. Don't. I don't. I've got issues. That's fine. Don't tell me what they are. I don't. I don't want you to psychoanalyze my dream and tell me what it means. I don't care. Um, I, I will tell you though that that dream makes me very aware of my deadline. I mean, Sunday is coming, and I do not want that to happen in real life. I don't want to just stand up here and uh, and and not have anything to say. Um, some of you are thinking that wouldn't be super different, but, but <laughs> it would feel different to me. And so I don't want that feeling. I don't want that feeling. Sunday's coming. I want to get ready. I want to be ready um, because Sunday's coming. I've got to get to work. I've got a deadline. That's essentially what Jesus is telling his followers here in this parable. That's essentially what this parable is about. Um, 
Look at verses um, 11 through 13 again with me. Um, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went to a far country to receive a king, himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. Engage in business until I come. Alright, so now, the, Jesus and his followers, they are near Jerusalem. Um, in our, in our sermon next Sunday, we're gonna have, we're gonna cover what, what, um, we call Palm Sunday. Um, it's Jesus' triumphant um, entry into Jerusalem. It's the one where they where they they yell, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's it's Jesus' big ride into Jerusalem. It's it's happening. And um, and Jesus knows that his guys are still they don't get it. They're still confused. They still think that this is the that they that they're gonna they're gonna go into Jerusalem with Jesus and and it's going to be now this just this time of ruling and reigning David Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David and he's going to reestablish Jerusalem and he is going to conquer Rome and he's it's going to be like this glorious time of of reigning ruling of kingdom Jesus is going to be the obvious king of kings now that time is coming but Jesus is, is, is going to tell them in this parable, that's not what's happening right now. In fact, nothing like that. It's not going to seem anything like that. Jesus says, I, I'm going to go away for a little while. I'll be back. And he says to his disciples, until I come back, you need to um, think of my return as a deadline. We're going to see that in this parable. You need to get to work. Jesus says, you need to engage in business. And now, what we know He means from that, as we think about that phrase, engage in business, as we think about it in the, in the context of the rest of the New Testament, we know what Jesus is saying to His guys here. He's saying, he's saying invest in the work of the Gospel. Until I return, Jesus, until I come back, I'm going, I'm going to receive my kingdom, I'm going to come back, it's going to be great, there's going to be ruling and reigning forever, it's, I'm going to be the obvious king of kings, the obvious lord of lords, it's going to be amazing. But until I get back, you need, it's, the time for ruling and reigning is not yet. You need to do the humble, everyday work of, of investing in the gospel. You, you need to, you need to see that right now, God is building this family of worshipers for Himself. He is, He is, um, He is saving rebels and sinners and He's bringing them into His family, bringing them into His church. He's, He's bringing the gospel into the hearts and minds of, of the people that He is saving. The, the gospel is doing work in and amongst us. And Jesus says, you need to engage in business until I get back. You need to invest in that work. In the work of the gospel. Um, I like that Rob prayed that we wouldn't be distracted 
this morning. I, I get easily distracted. And I've noticed a, a sort of a pattern in my life um, is that sometimes I get distracted because sort of it's, it's sort of just something that happens to me. Other times, though, I get distracted because I want to be distract, distracted. I, I look for distractions. You ever, you ever had to do, had a, uh, a paper or a project due for school, um, and, um, and you're just doing anything but working on that project. I mean, you're just like, you're, you're baking like seven batches of cookies, you're rearranging your sock drawer, you're just doing anything to avoid, I mean, you're binge-watching shows you don't even like, you're just like, you're just doing anything to avoid working on that project. We, sometimes we're distracted just because human frailty, uh, sometimes we're distracted because we're, we're seeking out distractions. Jesus expects us to stay dialed in, to stay locked in. Jesus expects us to stay locked in on investing in the work of the gospel as we wait for his return. That deadline is coming and he's gonna, he's gonna reward those who are faithful. He's going to punish those who rejected him. If we want to be among those that he rewards, this parable will help us. This parable gives us three truths that we can carry around with us. This parable gives us three really important truths that if we can carry them around with us, they will help us immensely to stay locked in on investing in the work of the Gospel until Jesus returns. So so let's work through these three truths together. Three truths we must carry around with us if we are going to faithfully invest in the work of the Gospel until Jesus returns. Truth number one, we are investing the resources that Jesus has given us. We are investing the resources that Jesus has given us. Verse 13, calling ten of His servants, he, He, the King, He gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. The king is, and he has every right to, he is telling them to engage in business and he is telling them to engage in business with the resources that he is giving them. He is giving them the minas. Jesus is the one who is, absolutely, he is calling us to invest in the work of His Gospel. He's calling us to make disciples with what He has given us, to use what He has given us to make disciples. We can't get around that in the New Testament. That's that's Jesus' expectation for us. It's vital for us to remember, therefore, that He's the one who gives us the resources we're working with. So when we're... Because we spend a lot of time thinking about our money, our time, our ability, our wisdom, our knowledge, our education, our, our relationships, our family, our opportunities. He, we, 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 we think about all of this stuff as if it is ours, as if it's been generated from within us somehow. We think that our money, we think that our, our talent, or we, we think that all of that has somehow been generated from within us. And so that we have this, this right over it. That, that we get the final say over it. And Scripture over and over says, no! No! When we're thinking about our resources, it's important to remember it all came from Jesus. 
So Jesus asks us to invest in his service for the sake of the gospel. But he only ever asks us to invest what he's already given us. It all belongs to him. It all comes from him. So he absolutely wants you to make disciples among your friends. If you are 12 years old, if you are 112 years old, I mean, if you, if you saw the blizzard of 1978 and the blizzard of 1878, whatever, you saw them all, you just, you're, you're the, you're the blizzard expert, or you're the person like me and Colin who were not quite born yet. And, and whatever, wherever you are, whatever friends you have, And I know you're, you're, think, you're, you're in ninth grade, you're thinking, I don't want, I don't want to help my friends follow Jesus. That sounds like the scariest endeavor I could, I could do. I just thought that's, a, that's the scariest, I, how would I even, that's, so if you're in ninth grade, you're thinking, I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm gonna help my friends follow Jesus. That's, that sounds like the scariest conversation ever. I want nothing to do with that. I will tell you, ninth graders, it doesn't get easier when you're 45. When you're 55. If we're going to have the courage to, 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 to try to help our non-Christian friends understand what the gospel is, if we're going to have the courage to try to invite them to church and, 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 have, and have clear gospel conversations with them, and if we're going to have the courage to, to try to help our, our Christian friends follow Jesus in their day-to-day lives. And we're going to have to remember we wouldn't have those friends except Jesus has given them to us. He expects you to honor Him in your family. He expects you, dads, to do the hard work of encouraging your children with the truth of the Word of God. Dads, are you teaching God's Word to your children? We're expected to to engage in business, to to invest in the work of the Gospel until He returns. And Jesus has every right to expect that of me and you because He's the one who's given us our families. He's the one who's given us our money. If we have skills and abilities, He has every right to ask us to, to... Invest our money and our time and our skill and our ability into the sake of the gospel, into the cause of the gospel. He has every right to expect that of us because we wouldn't have any of it except He gave it to us. This is such a good truth for us to carry around with us. I needed this truth this week because I forget this so quickly. And it's so, so often we don't feel like talking to our non-Christian friends or even our Christian friends about following Jesus. We don't, we don't feel like opening up the Word of God with our children. We don't feel like giving our money to the church. We don't feel like using our talent and our time for, for the sake of the Gospel. We'd rather distract ourselves. Those 84 cookies aren't going to bake themselves. We'd rather distract ourselves with anything else. This truth helps us. This truth helps us. We've got to carry this truth around with us. We're, we're, we're investing the resources that Jesus has given us. Second truth, and here's another one. This is just, this is a hard, this is a sad truth. It's a hard truth. Number two, we're surrounded by people who don't want Jesus for their king. We're surrounded by people who don't want Jesus for their king. Verse 13 again, he says, calling ten of his servants, he gave them each 
ten minas. No, I'm sorry. He gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his servant hated him. But his citizens, sorry, his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Jesus is actually using something that he, he sort of ripped this from the, from the local newspaper. Um, this is Herod the Great's son wanted to be the king of Judah, and so he, so Herod the great son, Archelaus, went to Rome to ask for the kingdom, and the Jews didn't want him, and they literally sent a delegation to Rome saying, no, we don't want that dude. And, and so this is a, so everybody kind of can picture what Jesus is talking about here. But it's a lot worse here, because here it is, people rejecting Jesus. People saying, I don't want him as my king. I don't want him as my king. And, and there is terrifying judgment that awaits them. Verse 27, But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. I tell you, yeah, I was talking with Rob Mansfield before the service. I was like, yeah, that's, that's the verse you have to end on when you're reading the, when you're reading the verses this morning. That's just a, uh, that's heavy. It's hard. It's like, man. Let's, let's end with something nicer than that. But it is the truth. Those who reject Jesus are, I mean, they are facing severe punishment if they don't repent. If they don't turn to Him. If they don't believe His Gospel. If they don't say, yes, I'm, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. My only hope is Jesus and Him crucified. Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection is my only hope. Yes, He is my King. Yes, I will follow Him. The people who won't turn their back on their sin and turn to Christ are going to be severely punished. And it's, it's vital for us as we're, trying to, as we're trying to faithfully, consistently invest what Jesus has given us in the work of His Gospels. We're trying to think, how can I use what I've been given to, to advance the kingdom of God? How can I do that? What we have to remember is that the, the, the people around us, many of them, are going to want nothing to do with Jesus. They don't want Jesus for their king. And so, we have to realize that we are absolutely going to be different. We're going to be different, and, 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 and we have to also have to realize that no matter how hard we try to be um, compassionate and kind and humble and loving, no matter how winsome we try to be, no matter how friendly we try to be, what we have to understand is that when push comes to shove, if we want Jesus for our King, if we say, I'm going to submit to His teaching, I'm going to submit to His Word. If we say that, then it won't matter how nice we are. And we should try, I mean, we should. We are called to be as, as compassionate and as kind and as humble as we can be. But it is vital for us to understand that when push comes to shove, it, the people who won't, don't want Jesus as their King are not going to want us as their friend. I mean, if we say... I agree with the Bible about sex and gender and marriage. I agree with the Bible about the sanctity of life. I agree with the Bible that, that following my heart and being true to myself is the stupidest, most evil thing I could do. If we just say that, and we should, if we say Jesus is our King, it won't matter how nice we are 
And we should be nice, but it won't matter. This is such a helpful truth for us because over and over and over again, we're going to be confronted by how different we are. I mean, we just, I, we, we just raise our children differently. We spend our weekends differently. We spend our money differently. We, we encourage our friends differently. We just have different values with just different things that are important to us. And, and there's this nagging temptation that's going to follow you around for the rest of your life to, this, this temptation to, to kind of be acceptable, to kind of meet the standards of success. And the, and the standards of, of what makes people happy. That you, you kind of, you, you, it's, it's, you're going to be tempted to kind of aim for the same things everyone around you is aiming for. We, we have to carry this truth around with us so that we remember, we're, we're, let's, let's not, let's not live our lives according to the standards created by unregenerate people. Let's not live our lives according to the standards created by people who don't want Jesus as their King. We can and must do the hard work of loving the people in our lives and and refusing to conform to the way they think life should go. If you're going to, by God's grace, do the hard work of faithfully engaging in business, investing in the work of the Gospel until He returns, then, then you're going to have to carry this truth around with you. We are, we are surrounded by people who don't want Jesus as their King. It's a sad, hard, but necessary truth. It's okay to be different. It's okay to say, wait a second, wait, that's not success. I don't even want that. That's not... I don't care if my children achieve that. I don't, I don't care if I achieve that. I don't, I don't care if I can do that. I don't care if I have enough money for that. I don't care about that. We have to just stop sometimes and say, wait, no, I don't care about that stuff. I care about honoring Jesus. Truth will help us. And then number three, third truth we must keep in mind, Jesus always treats His faithful servants Unfairly. Jesus always treats His faithful servants unfairly. We come to the heart of the parable here. Verse 15, when He returned, having received the kingdom, so the king has come back. It's time for reward and it's time for judgment. The king has come back. He returned, receiving the kingdom. He ordered those these servants to whom he had given them money. He's, he's given these ten servants, each one mina. He's, he, he orders them to come to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came to him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, uh, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. So now the king says, and the king is not 
so much agreeing with this servant as using his own words against him. He's judging him by his own standard. Verse 22, he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servants. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. Why did you do something? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Here we come to the heart of the parable. This, this, this servant who, who refused to even try. He just buried the mina in a handkerchief. Why? He thought the king was a bully. He thought the king was severe. He thought the king was just going to come in and take anyhow. What does not even matter? Here we have the heart of the parable. And here we have the question of the parable. Do you know who Jesus is? Because here's the, the thing. It is 100% absolutely true. Jesus treats His faithful servants very unfairly. Now, what we have to also understand along with that is it when, when we say Jesus treats His servants very unfairly, it's, it's the exact opposite of what this wicked servant thought. Verses 16 and 17 are bonkers. They are crazy. This, this servant comes to Jesus, the first servant. He says, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little... Listen to this. This is nuts. You shall have authority over ten cities. Uh, what? So a mina... Think with me about this. A mina is about three months' wages. Smart people tell me that. So people who know about minas, <laughs> they tell me. Um, a mina could have been a bird or something for all I know. It's not. It's, it's money. Uh, a mina is about three months' wages. It's about the mo- amount of money, right? If you worked three months, it's about what you'd get. So it's not nothing. It's something. It's a little bit of responsibility. But it's not like the king said, okay, you, you this servant is like in charge of the navy, this in, in charge of the army, this is the vice president of operations for the Midwest or whatever. He, this is, it's not like he's given them tons of responsibility. He's given them something. It's not nothing, but it's not, you know... It's three months, about three months worth of money. It's kind of a good picture of who we are, right? Jesus has given us a little bit to work with. He's given us some resources, some opportunities, some, some skills, some money, some relationships. He's, he's given us some stuff to invest. He's given us some minas to be faithful with. But then look at the reward. He, he says to the servant, you are faithful with that mina, with that three-month check I gave you, you were faithful with that, so I'm going to give you ten cities. This is way more reward than, than that servant possibly deserves. There's, there's no way this makes sense. There's no way this makes sense. This is kind of like, so my daughter, Abby, who, who wishes, she wishes she was in every one of my sermons, and so I'm just, because uh, she loves attention, um, 
So I want you guys to all take the time that you would have spent chastising Colin and go talk to my daughter about, you know, her cameo in my sermon. Anyhow, um, so my daughter works for Duncan. Many of you have seen her work there, um, and you've said hi to her and all that. She is a shift leader now, all right? Which, when you, when you work for a place like Duncan and you, and you rise to the top of being a shift leader, it just means you're not awful, right? And it's just like, um, and she's not awful. I've said that about her a lot. Abby, you are not awful. Um, uh, so anyhow, she's really good at pouring drinks and being responsible, and so she's a shift leader. That makes a lot of sense. Suppose, though, that she did a great job. I mean, a fantastic job at being a shift leader. She was faithful. She, she didn't call in sick. She didn't, she wasn't late. She wasn't on her phone the whole time. She didn't, she, she, she did very little vaping in the bathroom. You know, she's just, she's on top of her game. Um, and so they said to her, you know, Abby, we've noticed your hard work. We're going to make you CEO of the company. How much are you making now? Well, we're going to bump that up to five million a year. That's what we have here. That's what we have here. That's exactly what the king has done. You are faithful with the, with the three-month salary I gave you. So common sense says he's going to give him six-month salary now, right? He's going to, you know, you're, you're good at a shift manager. Now you can be a supervisor or a assistant manager. You can, you know, this, that's what makes sense. This doesn't make sense. You were great with that um, three months worth of money. I'm going to give you ten cities. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is not fair. Jesus is ridiculously generous. Jesus is absurdly gracious. Jesus is so kind that this is bad business. This is, this is, this is nonsense. If you think of Jesus as harsh, then you don't know Him. He gives us all that we need in this life, and, and in the life to come, He's going to give us so much more than we can even imagine right now. Jesus is absurdly gracious. He is the one who created you. He is the one who held you together as you shook your fist at Him. He is the one who humbled Himself to take on the form of a servant. And if ever a servant was faithful with what the King gave them, Jesus was that servant. If ever a servant earned the right to rule and reign over all the cities of the world, Jesus was that servant. Before He got that crown, Jesus took the cross. He took the punishment that we deserve for our sin so that one day He could share with us the reward that only He truly deserves. He is not fair with His faithful servants. He is so much better than fair. And since He is the author and the finisher of our faith, we are only faithful because He is faithful to us. He is kind. He is so much better than fair. He is, he is ridiculously, almost comically kind. Is that the king that you serve? Is that the Jesus you know? Keep that truth in your mind. Carry that truth around with you. It'll help as we, as we try to faithfully spend the resources that He has given us 
to invest in His Gospel work. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this parable. We thank You for the severe warning that's in it. We, if, we, if we reject Jesus, there is, there is punishment, there is severe punishment waiting us. We thank You for that warning. We thank You that You don't sugarcoat that warning. And we also thank You for this, this almost comical reminder of how unfair Jesus is. He is so gracious, so kind. Help us to see the kindness of the cross as we gather around the Lord's Supper this morning. Help us to see the kindness of the cross. And, and, and help us, God, to, to see the generosity of Jesus in our everyday life and in the, in the beautiful promises that He has made to us. Help us to know Jesus as He truly is. And help us to stay locked in on, on serving Him with the resources that He has given. Help us, God, by Your Spirit, because of, because of Your Gospel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.